I would like to ask you for a quick favor. If you've got an iPhone and you haven't done this already, please go to the podcast app and search for Interverse Podcast where you can leave a review for the show. All you got to do is drop five stars right there and go on your way. No need to write a subject or any kind of message in there. If a lot of you guys can do this, then the show Interverse is going to be way higher in the list for people searching for podcasts in the art category. So please help out and leave a review. And we'll get on to the show. I really appreciate you guys for checking it out. Music featured in this episode is by Suhan. This episode, I was talking to my good friend Jazz. I think his last name is Zimsh. Zench. I, uh, I'm sorry, man. I don't know how to say it. Everyone just knows you as Jazz anyway. And you can find whatever he's doing by Googling Jazz Raps. J-A-Z Raps. Or jazzraps.com is a great way to find him. And you will immediately be impressed upon by the amazing intricacy of his wire weaving wizardry and by that i mean he makes really badass jewelry out of silver and gold wire if you're familiar with wire wrapping seen it like in the music festival community you know how amazing that art form is and if you haven't seen that type of artwork if all you're used to for jewelry is just like cheapo stuff that you see at uh the mall then you'll be really amazed by these one of a kind super unique spiraling energy amulets that jazz creates and whatever metaphysical effects they may or may not have related to crystals that are involved in the wraps that's up to the wearer to decide if that has any validity or not but i think anybody can just look at artwork like this and know that it's super special super unique and really you know it's something that brings a lot of value beyond what the cost is so if you are enchanted by what jazz is up to i highly recommend buying something off him, maybe even commissioning something custom. I don't think you'll regret it. So that's Jazz. I think I've done an adequate introduction other than saying that he's crazy and he has a really different kind of brain in a good way. And I would say he's one of the best flow state people I've ever met. He just really goes into flow states easily. It's pretty fun to hang out with him. I can't wait to see him again, do more podcasts with him. And if you like our conversation, go to patreon.com forward slash interverse. And if you are a patron of the interverse podcast, you will be able to find an add on doubling the length of this conversation where me and jazz were maybe a little bit too, uh, you know, herbally influenced and it got a little funnier. There's two conversations available and the second one is for patrons only. So if you haven't gone on to Patreon yet to support this podcast, but you're a fan or whatever it is that you would call yourself a listener, an artist, a conscious creator. Uh, you know, if you haven't gone to Patreon, that's the place where you can support the show. If you go and you donate even just a dollar, you'll be sending your energy into this platform, which could only help you to boost your own stuff whenever you come on the show later. So get on there, 
send me a dollar or more and I'll see you get the rest of this conversation. And if you're enjoying this crazy music you've been hearing in the background, remember to look up Suhan. That's going to be in the episode notes, as are all the links that I mentioned, Jazz Raps, Patreon, and all that good stuff, as well as the full episode notes on steamit.com forward slash at Interverse, which is a great new blog that I've started using to replace Facebook, where I can actually get pretty decent monetary value out of my social media content that I get to keep and retain ownership of. And it's got a nice blog feature, so you can actually see multiple pictures embedded in the posts of the description of this episode, including video links and stuff that's directly linking back to Jazz's website, stuff that you could actually buy if you liked it. So I recommend going to all those links in the episode description. And that's it. I'm going to get on to the conversation. Thanks for listening. If you don't mind sharing this show with a friend, that would be cool. But just listening is super helpful to the cause, to the movement, to enhancing creativity in your life, hopefully, or at the very least, entertaining you with my silly hippie beliefs. Okay, I love you guys. is brought to you by space fever space fever the fever that causes excruciating pain leaking out of the ears eyes and whatever other holes that you have in your body bleeding of the organs and it but it also makes you live longer and i'm here with my expert chance so dr chance would you like to fill us in on some of the details about this horrendous disease well, and it seems to have originated from people from the moon having sex with uh, moon aliens. Like that, like humans having sex with moon aliens? Yes, yes. Okay. And um, it's, there are known cures, but none of them are available to the general public. It tends to cost at least $100,000 per treatment, and you need a lot of treatments. Mm. And so just try not to get space fever because... It makes your life really miserable and um, you'll have like a lot of people already have space fever and they don't know it because essentially there's not a lot of physical symptoms so much as mental symptoms. Except for the internal bleeding and the the pain. Well, yeah, but you completely focus on how you hate other people and just you're a total bitch about everything. And so it makes you not even realize that you're bleeding internally. So what would happen, let's say, if someone got this disease and, um, say, created a social media account and then got, like, sucked into politics or something along the lines of that? Do you have any any science? Oh, it is completely transmissible through social media. This disease. Oh, you can get it through social media. Yeah, in fact, space fever, you get it whenever you hold your phone up to your ear and you've been using Facebook a lot. 
some of the Facebook comes out of the hole of your phone and gets into your ear. And it is a pretty widely accepted fact that 78% of Facebooks contain space fever bacteria. And it's just a matter of if you're susceptible or not. And if your immune system is even slightly under 200% strength. This is all true, folks. You can you can Snopes it at jazzraps.com. <laughs> um, so w- other things about the space fever is um, your cats can get it. I've heard. Oh, geez. And it's not cool. Yeah. I hear uh, really bad things about cats basically becoming not cute anymore. Mm. Like it's like it, it it has some effect on the toxoplasmosis that it had already given the owner. And it, I think it kills it. So then the owner realizes like, what the fuck do I have this thing in my house for? Yeah, it really severs the parasitic connection. It takes the place of like the space fever takes the place of the parasite of toxoplasma. Right. So or tox is that what you call it? Toxo, so, uh, toxoplasmosis. Whatever that is. So the, whatever the parasite is that makes people love cats a lot, the space fever comes in and actually feeds on that parasite. And because that parasite really never leaves your system, if you've got tax, toxoplasmosis, you're du- you're doubly susceptible to catch space fever. That's mm-hmm. why people with cats get it. And that's because the space fever actually has extra fuel to feed on and multiply quicker in your system because of all the toxoplasmosis in there. And the more the more cats you have, the more you love cats, the more likely you've already got space fever. And that's why people keep getting more and more cats, because the space fever makes them less satisfied with the cats they have. And they think, well, cats used to make me happy, so I better just get more cats. And they get more and more cats, and it just gets out of control. And you know, then, then you die, and the cats actually eat your body. And they take the space fever into their body again. And then when people adopt them or they go out into the wild, they infect other animals, other creatures. And you have an entire space fever outbreak infecting entire uh, ecosystems. Right. And this is this is uh, this is why I voted for Trump, because he wants to vaccinate everyone um, so that nobody gets the space fever. And, you know, somebody with a heart so big and huge a heart bigger than anyone else's heart the compassion oh you're talking about our dear leader oh uh, yeah Donald. and and yeah he's really a visionary about space fever i believe he brought it up in his book that he wrote like 10 there years will ago. not be any space fever in america by 2018 well look it up yeah unfortunately he's probably wrong about that because it's only spreading quicker and quicker and like i said there's no cure other than about a $100,000 liquid cash injection about 10 or 12 times a month. No, that's AIDS. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This one's the same. This is actually the same cure. I heard it's diamonds AIDS. work better. Yeah, but it's really hard to get into the the diamond vaults of the New York yeah. diamond gangsters that, you know, just keep that stuff hoarded so that the demand is high and they keep people mining in the blood diamond mines in Africa. And they're like, you keep mining. Otherwise we're going to give your whole village space fever. Yeah. The elites really have been using space fever like AIDS as a way to control the population, reduce the population, except it's kind of backfired because it makes you live longer. But what's good about making you live longer? That has that, that's a like, pretty huge backfire. Well, the reason they did it is because they thought 
it's not permanent. Like people will eventually die. I'll get hit by cars or struck by lightning or something. And in the meantime, the longer that they're sick and the longer that they're just full of bullshit because of space fever, the more products they think they need to be happy and the more money that the elites make off of the people with space fever. And then also like the, the bad health thing, like the internal bleeding, they'll have to go get all kinds of medicine and Xanax. Okay. So did, space did, fever, did, and did, then the pharmaceutical companies profit. But, but, so but, but are you run, sure, are you sure it's a conspiracy on, on that level or are you sure that it was neil armstrong didn't get freaky with a space monkey it's both man because once the elites realized what space fever was they could have stopped it right there with neil armstrong you think they didn't have him in like contamination suits after he came back from the moon they were worried about stuff like space fever they remembered what happened Mm. when the conquistadors went to south america and everybody died so they're really careful about that. And then they realized, okay, space fever can work to our advantage if we release it into the public. Um, you know, uh, what's his name? What's the other guy that walked on the moon with Neil Armstrong? Buzz Aldrin. He's completely out of his mind. He's got space fever big time. You should go look at his Instagram. Yeah. He's balling out of control. There's like convertibles and girls in bikinis and he's, he he's didn't, fully crazy. He didn't strap his space rocket correctly. And <laughs> Now he's got the space fever. Well, it's a radioactive type of disease, so it doesn't matter how many layers of condoms you wear. If they're not lead-shielded condoms, then you will still get it. What if space monkeys are just so fucking hot? You just can't handle yourself when you see it? They consider that... And and even the the government... People consider space monkeys to be a racist term. Uh, Well, you know what? I'm (laughs) old-fashioned. I believe in human beings mating with human beings. I mean, they are purple. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's because they don't get the same level of light down the dark side of the moon, so their skin's all weird. So they absorb their vitamin D from the stars. It has to be super dark, dark purple because they need to have more absorption in their skin because of <sighs> light. I just don't trust them. <clears throat> How could you? They're from a, you know a whole other body of out in space you know they're not even from earth yeah although it's possible that they're offshoot from human beings because earth is you know maybe the origin point of the moon something supposedly hit the earth a long time ago and the moon popped off of there yeah but why is it so round is outer space like a well, rock tumbler don't things basically get round from their own rotational spin and their own gravity like stuff that like a whole bunch of fragments coalesce together by being attracted to each other's gravity and then eventually they're like all compressing together into one thing and the spin of that and the centripetal force shit, kind of shit flings it. off of it and we're talking about like I don't know if stuff really flings or off or it tumbles towards the side center I think it all just sort of becomes spherical because of the spin that is given naturally to the, the mass as it accumulates bigger and bigger through attraction Maybe maybe you, you know, fucked a space monkey. Don't you think that it's possible that everything we even got taught about planets and space and gravity isn't even right? Because how many times have the people in the past thought they knew exactly what the fuck was up with something and then they were just completely wrong and they're totally idiots? Like, yeah, like myself. Changes. <laughs> also, everything that they tell you in school is like opposite of truth usually. There's been so, so many things that... I, I feel like when I think back to myself when I was like maybe like 17 or 18, 
And I realized, I was like, dude, everything they're teaching me is fucking stupid and wrong. And so then I adopted this other way of thinking like right off the bat. And for a long time, it felt like that was the right way. But since then, I've been like, what the fuck am I thinking? Really, all the best information is the stuff they want to keep from you. Like metaphysical information, how to do magical things, how to actually control your own reality tunnel. Yeah. Teach you any of that in school. Skew. Skew. So how do you you create your own reality tunnel? I got this. Okay. Here's how you do it. You get the blood of seven different lot kids. You get a deadhead, a fish head, widespread panic fan, a um, string cheese, a nectar fan, a nectar fan, mo. Um, That's seven. And you you not you can't get an odd fan. You have to get odd himself. I and saw odd at Envision. He's a cool dude. I've met him a couple times. We'll get back to that. Continue telling about Maddie and. Um, and then we have to catch you. Um, we have to catch you in the net because you will be running. Um, cause we're not going to be sneaky. Uh, and then we, I forgot what I was talking about. <laughs> oh, how to create your own reality. Yeah. And then we, um, get a little bit of the blood and then we go, holy and all the crystals start glowing and we start hovering in the air. And, um, and like in a position as if we're sitting in like an invisible bing bag. And then we spin around the crystals really fast until we all throw up and it paints the walls and then we drop to the floor. Do we each make sure to eat different colored foods before so that there's like a rainbow? Yeah, you, you really want to because, uh, it adds to the nuance of the experience. Okay. And, um, and then we all drop to the floor and all the sound stops. And then it's just like a really loud ringing, just like bing, just in your ear. And you're just like, fuck. And, uh, but then you get up and you feel fine. And, um, and then you're like, I'm ready to create my day. Okay. And make so you things. start every day that way. It's not just like a once in a while thing. Yeah. You want to start the, you want to, so how many people do you need for this? Um, well, there can be, they can be real or imaginary, but if they're, okay, that if they're imaginary, you gotta be <laughs> pretty good at imagining things. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, but you can totally make imaginary people. Yeah. I mean, if you're good at it, I mean, Alexander, I've seen some people uh, who are pretty, what's her name? Okay. There's this mysterious universe podcast where they talk about like, well, they talk about it in a lot of episodes, but have you heard of the concept of tulpas? Yes. Did you send me that shit? No, this, this, I, I had another friend, uh, a while back that sent me a whole thing about him. And, uh, supposedly in like Tibet and stuff, monks can create like servant monks that are thought form. Yeah. I kind of think like physically there though. I kind of think that's what. Let's explain what the tulpa is real quick. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So then we're not just like. You explain it if you have an understanding. Okay. So it's a type of flower. Um, (laughs) No, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, uh, this is real information. We're no longer like bullshitting here. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) But I'll uh, throw some bullshit in. We'll get back to bullshit. We'll see if he catches it. Um, Damn it, Jazz. So a tulpa is, it's basically like, I'm going to say this in kind of a, like, way that people might think I'm a jerk if they're into it, but it's kind of like an imaginary friend Mm -hmm. that uh, 
helps you, mm-hmm. that guides you in certain situations. And it, it is kind of interesting because I've connected, there's been studies that they've shown how people uh, like, well, like, um, like either score higher, perform higher on certain tests, just believing or thinking that they have uh, a tulpa that's helping them or guiding them. And the same thing with pendants and, uh, and like uh, amulets or lucky well, totems. Okay. So in some belief structures and according to some people's anecdotal reports, tulpas can actually be generated that have physicality and can do things in the actual world. So, of course, I haven't witnessed that per se, but if you work under the like idealism perspective of the cosmos where you consider everything to be generated out of mind mm-hmm. and that basically just like in a dream, how your mind creates everything in a dream and it's solid and there's like a floor and there's a wall and everything seems legit. You know? Pretty fucking convincing. Right. So the same concept applies to our shared waking reality that in that it's still generated by a mind in a sense, like there's still like a hosting mind. And right. if that's the case, then the mind that we have could potentially affect change in the waking world and create even physical entities. If there's the right, maybe underlying belief structure. Yeah. I almost feel like that's kind so of, you can make like a dude, like a little Jeeves Butler. Do you think that's like already what happens? It's that's like a Mr. Meeseeks from Rick and Morty. Right. So do you think that possibly that that might be what has already happened? So everyone that believes in such and such religion or whatever, they're really generating their own. Mm-hmm. Uh, like they might feel it's collective because it's the similar. That's and, how a deity gets power. And that's an illusion. But it, they're all individually projecting their own view of like, this is what this is. And that and. And so they create their own, kind of, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's like, there might not be an, an Allah that's separate from a human being that all these pe- human beings are creating an Allah. And, and yeah, like and that. It's not even necessarily one unified Allah. There's like each person's version of it. Yeah. Interesting. But then it kind of, but then there's this illusion. It could be an illusion that people are in that like, Oh, we all believe in the same thing, but that's just, that's an illusion. Like when you think you have people lotted into a dogma and a teaching tradition where there's interpretations that are pretty rigidly given to what certain entities or deities are. Um, it's still, you think you could actually lock in like a group manifestation of an actual income, like an actual being that takes on the attributes and and powers that the people imagine it to have collectively um if everyone believes one the one person that's interpreting that so it has to come from one person for that to work it couldn't come from like like a shared book that they all have or something that they'll take a certain meaning from because actually because it's got to come out of somebody is first and every person can still interpret that one person's words in an individualistic way. It's pretty hard not to, unless they're all like this. Right. Exactly. That's why, that's why almost every preacher and every person has a different way of viewing. uh, It's almost like no matter how hard you try, if you take, 
uh, a religion and someone else from a different culture adopts it, they're not going to view it exactly the same and they're, they're going to treat it differently. Like, no matter what part, no matter how you try to describe the infinite, you can only describe a part of it or one perspective on it. And then there's still a whole infinity of the infinite that is not contained within the description that you gave it or the, the dogma that you created about it. Yeah. Like, it's kind of like, it seems impossible to me that two people are really going to see everything the same way. That's, that's just weird. That's sort of defeats the purpose of having individual separate points of view in the first place. (laughs) Right. Separate experiences. Otherwise we would probably just remain one single universal consciousness. Boy, wouldn't that be fun? Seems like that boring. Yeah, <laughs> it definitely would be. Yeah, I like this better too. I'm not it would be like talking. Universal. Yeah, it would be like talking to yourself all the time. You're just. Uh, I mean, it's already that in the way that it is now, but at least the way it is now, you have the illusion. <laughs> yeah. And there is, and even though it's sort of an illusion because we're all made of the same stuff or the same spirit, it's not an illusion in that. You really are your, like your ego is real. Like your personality is real. The individual experiences and energy that comprise your personality and your soul, that is a unique fingerprint or signature because of the fact that there is an infinity, then you actually can be unique in a weird way. Yeah. It's, uh, it's kind of interesting. Uh, I had this, uh, that's this thing about infinity. I had this interesting experience where I was kind of in a really deep psychedelic meditation. And um, I just had this crazy thought start coming through my head. And it was saying like, um, because I've thought of the theory about like infinity being like, oh, well, it means everything's happened an infinite amount of times in an infinite amount of ways. And it's already happened. Right. And but then my mind went beyond that and thought it was like, wait, no, it means, it means for, it means infinite. It means like never ending. It means everything means new all the time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's the ultimate infinity. It means, yeah, it's new all the time. It's never, every moment has never happened before and it'll never happen again. And that's infinity. (laughs) And it was like, holy shit. Like, and I guess I, to me, because I, I think in very deeply in philosophy uh, and spend a lot of time thinking philosophically, I guess, um, the advantage of thinking that way is that you feel less trapped. Like, oh, well, this has already already happened before. And then you start feeling like the future's got to end up a certain way. Mm-hmm, which is another dogma thing. Yeah, and that that could be a huge blockage for um, being able to create your own, your own reality back to that topic of creating your own reality. And, um, if you're aware that it can go an infinite number of ways, it gives you you, a lot of room to potentially grow in your own mind and a lot of freedom in your mind. You know, it can go an infinite amount of ways, but it's only going to go one way and that's the way it's going to, it will have happened no matter what. And that's going to be dependent on the way that you look at your life and the belief structures that you choose to hold on to as you navigate. Yeah. Belief structures are super important to look at and like, depends on, depends, on, depends on what you're trying to do. I don't know. Like, I, I don't think 
like the kind of uh kind of funny thing is like it, it seems like it's easier to like ha uh to take care of yourself and do the right thing when you're not trying mm. and like maybe i'm getting way too abstract but maybe that if you already set the intention that um you know you want to be a decent person and uh, be good to people you don't have to think too deeply about it i don't think because i feel that actually like you can use spiritual information and and all of that to accelerate your path and your growth if uh -huh. you want but you can also just know that if you are choosing, intending to grow and expand and be conscious of what you're doing and become a better person whenever you can and try to learn from mistakes, I think that that is good enough because essentially there's only two things you can do in the reality that's like you can evolve towards the positive or you can decay in a negative way. Yeah. So as long as... I think, and as humans, we really do well with gradual changes. I mean, we're able to make big adaptations really fast if we have to, if it's life or death. But um, our systems respond best to like just making a little bit of a change at a time. When I was at Envision Festival, there was a speaker who, I guess he's been in documentaries or short films or something. His name was Rob Greenfield. Mm -hmm. And his entire deal was trying to reduce trash production that like he realized that each human basically makes a small amount of trash in their lifetime, especially Western people. Right. And he's like, how can I not make a mountain of trash in my lifetime? <laughs> and he reduced his living down to like super bare minimalism and even goes to extremes like dumpster diving and stuff. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> I actually, I kind of have a funny story related to that. Dude, go ahead. Okay, so I was hiking with a buddy recently, and, and uh, I started picking up, like, I guess all these, like, cigarette packs, and I was, like, picking them up, and um, and I was started thinking about my buddy who picks up cans all the time, and he recycles cans and gets money for it, and, uh, like, just, like, a simple little thing to make, like, a little bit of extra money, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, but like we'll be hiking and he'll be like, God damn it. And like see a can and pick it up out of his backpack. And uh, I kind of did the same thing when I saw the cigarette pack. So I was like, God damn it. And I picked him up. Then I like thought about it and I was like, wait, why am I picking these things up? And I'm like, in all reality, I'm doing it because it's making me feel good because I'm like, I'm cleaning this up mm -hmm. like in all reality. And you get a boost from it. And, yeah. And then though. they're probably whoever did it probably got a boost from throwing it on the ground so in a very strange way no, they probably get a karma like a, a <laughs> well, negative karma attachment but but i mean people that should do that every person knows they shouldn't do that but that's the thing they don't like i've known people who i like because i've met so many different people that just really that disconnected believes, from their internal conflict. well they just the way they see it and i'm not saying that i see it this way but the way they see it is that they're like, this is my planet too. So if I want to do that, I have just as much of a right to do this as much of you as have a right to disagree with. And so like, and I'm saying like besides the laws, but that's just their, that's just what they believe. I'm sure. just saying that's just what they believe. The they I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but um, I just thought that was kind of funny because it's like a lot of people do are, are just like, but they just throw it down and 
they get a kick out of just not giving a fuck like or uh or breaking the rules for whatever reason like yeah, maybe, maybe it goes back to when they were a kid and how they were treated when they were a kid when they broke the rules and like and they got screamed at a bunch but then they like would get away with it and maybe it became like a habit or like a thing for or i don't know but basically what i'm getting at is i thought it was kind of funny because it's like this person gets a kick out of being an asshole throwing shit on the ground and just being lazy and the other person they get a kick out of uh like kind of like cleaning it up and taking responsibility that Rob Greenfield guy back to him to finish the point I was going to make about him. He definitely takes a kick out, out of like being responsible for what he's, what's going on and trying to like make a difference. You can tell it energizes him. Yeah. And he was explaining how his journey went from being just like a regular Wisconsin suburban kid to somebody that's giving a, a speech in Costa Rica and he's got his briefcase with, or his um, suitcase with him that has like 111 items in it and that's all that he owns period in the world. And he doesn't even have like, Oh, I think I know who you're talking about. So the way he explained his transition from regular like Western person to having just like a hundred or so odd sessions was he made a list of everything he could think of that he thought should change to begin with while he was like still regular guy. Right. And he tried to check off one of those things a week and change one thing a week if he could. And so that like involves, cause there's so many steps to simplifying life and changing and getting rid of trash and all that. But he got to the point where one Ziploc bag full of trash was all he produced in one year. Oh, wow. So it's pretty. But just not amazing. buy anything or just only buy like things right, that didn't buy have things a package. Packaged. Exactly. Non-packaged things. And also just basically giving up on a lot of products in general that probably save you a shitload of money too exactly pretty much need like, no money since i since i decided to try like a high fat low carbon sugar diet i'm sure i've saved a ton of money because i'll go into a gas station and like there's nothing to buy there's nothing, all that yeah. stuff is overpriced anyway it's everything big energy vampire everything has 50 grams of sugar and like everything has a ton of sugar or at least of a ton of carbs and I guess I can get like nuts and stuff, but overpriced. Yeah, I basically just look around. I'm and like, nuts whatever. have sugar added too, by the way. Go look at planters nuts. Yeah, and I, yeah. So it's not peanut butter or whatever, but it's kind of nice saving the money. But uh, I'm sure you'd save a shitload of money if you were trying to not buy anything that had a package on it. Exactly. Like that's like ninety percent of things you buy. You know, it's funny people are say like vegetables are like cheap or, or too expensive or like eating healthy is expensive and it's like dude you can get like a bale of fucking kale for a dollar kale. like yeah a whole bale you have to like strap yeah. it on your back it's really easy forward. to grow too i didn't know that it's not hard to grow i could be wrong maybe relative to other things it's not well, all this stuff's pretty cheap it seemed easy to grow to me this is pretty cheap i don't know i'm i feel like Eating healthy to me is more about how you feel in general and not how long you're going to live. Yeah, that's the point to it because you're improving the quality of the time you have, not just yeah. not just increasing the quantity of years. I think I m- mentioned the other night, I was like, yeah, just like, you know, I don't care 
if I die, I'm not going to care after I'm dead, obviously. So I don't really care when I die, but I don't want to spend 20 years with like my butthole falling off my body and because you had a bad diet. <laughs> yeah. And, and ha- to be fair, like you can actually eat really, really delicious variety of amazing foods if you're willing to learn and be creative with cooking, even with like a vegetarian diet. Oh, yeah. I won't go so far as to say being a vegan is easy because <clears throat> that does limit a lot. But many people do say that like getting rid of dairy completely is a huge factor in improving your health. And they could be right. Uh, I definitely don't know that they're wrong. And I have not had I haven't had trouble reducing dairy, but like completely eliminating it has definitely been tricky. Yeah. And since I reduced it, I've been a lot more sensitive to it. Like eating ice cream has been fucking me up. If I ever I've do never, it. I've never had an issue with dairy. I was like totally like intolerant when I was born. Sugar fucks me up. But it could have been the massive amounts of sugar in the ice cream that was fucking me up. That's actually a totally good call. That's a lot of sugar. It's really crazy when you add it up and you look at like. I tried not to add it up. I tried to just eat it without looking at it. Go. Uh, <laughs> so bad. Just imagine. Um, I'm trying to think of how to like, you know, if you got a meat scale or some kind of veggie scale or some kind of scale laying around, just like weigh 45 grams of sugar on a plate and realize that's what's in a can of soda. And it's like water soluble. So it really easily blends into other things. Yeah. A shitload more sugar than you would expect. And that's also the same with carbs. Like carbs are just complex uh sugars and uh like breads and stuff yeah and it's weird like thinking back and i know i've changed a lot in the last like couple months diet and not smoking all that but uh uh should talk about all those changes i'll just try to be quiet do I? You should just tell the explain like quitting smoking and okay yeah like so I, i quit i Decided to quit smoking. I used to smoke this pipe. If you know me, you'd be like, yeah, Jazz always has this tobacco pipe. And But not anymore. I quit because uh, I think it was really fucking on my health. <laughs> like, it was making my breath short. And I think it was giving me a lot of anxiety smoking tobacco that much. And because uh, um, you're kind of suffocating yourself. But totally. Um, I realized that after reading this book about the easy way to quit that the reason why you become hooked on stuff is because of a mind frame. So if you decide you want to quit something, you have to, um, instead of using willpower to tell yourself, no, I'm not going to do that. Like, no, I'm not going to do that. Cause that's just going to wear you out by the end of the day. And like, it will for sure. I yeah, just, I just know this by the end of the day, you'll do something else stupid. Yeah. Because you'll run out of <laughs> yeah. You'll be you like, get real dumb. You get super dumb by the end of the day. That's why I always eat sugary things right before bed because I'm out of willpower. That's why you should go to bed early while you still can. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a bunch of trick tricks and tips for that. But, uh, but the thing, but the, the, the a way of reducing that in a way that made it easy for me to quit was, um, instead of telling myself that I'm depriving myself of something that I enjoy, I remind myself in all ways that this is something that I don't want to do. Like, this, like if you, you kind of got to make up your mind in life at some point, like, uh, you're either going to do something or not, you know? So you either decide like, 
I'm going to quit or I'm not going to quit. And if you decide you're going to quit, then you have to go inside your head and rewire yourself. Because all these structures like we talked yeah, about earlier, because there's a huge network inside your head that's saying like, um, oh, this person frustrated you. Oh, go smoke. That'll make it feel better. Oh, like, you just ate a big meal. You better smoke. You better smoke. Oh, you finished a wrap. You better smoke. You know, like, oh, it's nice outside. You better smoke. Like there's so many of these things. Like it's weird because after two months of quitting. For me, it was driving a car when I used to smoke cigarettes. I'd always want to smoke while I drove. Yeah, I actually, it's funny because at the, this point, like I realized like it's kind of nicer driving without smoking. Like I feel better when I'm done driving. I don't know. I feel better not having it in the car. And you can dance like, whenever you're uh Hands are free. You can drive and dance. <laughs> yeah. It's a really good music. Um, but uh, once I realized you could change these mind frames just by remind, changing them in your head um, first, then you don't need willpower. Because then when you do start having a withdrawal pain from something like nicotine, then uh, that's all it is. It's just a pain. It's just like it's no different than the soreness after like having a bunch of fun running around and jumping in on rocks and pulling yourself up and climbing trees or going to the rock gym, the climbing gym or whatever. And, uh, um, <laughs> man, I was just listening to you. So, so intently. <laughs> Uh, wow. Isn't it weird how that happens? Like I felt our energy just sort of spiral out into spaced out. And it's all of a sudden I started like listening to other noises in the house. Like <laughs> what happened? Well, here we are like reality check. Um, we we're talking about you just quitting your pipe and getting, feeling better and healthier though. Yeah. Oh, and the mind frames. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, um, it, uh, it's been interesting because uh, there's been a lot of things that I decided to change since then. And, you know, and then I decided like to like cold showers and Wim Hof breathing. Yeah. All that stuff. And, uh, it's interesting because there's like touch on the variety of things. There's like a part of your brain that, um, wants to always take the easiest sort route. And mm -hmm. I think the more you can kind of exercise taking a d more difficult thing, Kind of makes everything more enjoyable in a way. The guy Rob Greenfield that I brought up earlier, mm -hmm. he was explaining about con like our convenience culture and how everything that you throw away or everything that you dispose of or everything that is easy because of some kind of service or technology, you're basically just outsourcing the energy to somebody else to do for you. And in a way that constitutes like servitude or slavery in our culture we enslave each other because we won't take care of our own shit ourselves. We cause each other to have to like have these jobs and stuff when really like back in the day, each person would just be, they go gather their own coconuts and you didn't worry about it too much. I don't know now, about that. I, just now, cause I, I expanded, I do this sometimes. I expanded on what he was saying. Like really he was only saying that, uh, I gave my own thoughts on it. I don't really feel that way, by the way. That's just like what? kind of thinking. But his idea <laughs> was just his idea was just that you do outsource the energy for convenience most of the time. Like if you throw something in your trash can and put it on the curb, there's the whole energetic process of somebody having to come take it away, take it to the recycling center. Yeah, do all. So he's steps. seeing this as more of like it's as a whole, it's dragging the 
ener- the energy of the organism down as a whole of our collective organism what do we do because if we just like it's so strange because if we just fixed everything tomorrow with the magic whatever then what would that even look like yeah what would that look like because we have to figure it out one step at a time you'd have to tell probably a huge percentage of the world i would i would estimate with my bro science brain that You'd have to tell 90% of the world that, look, it's probably best that you not have kids. I knew you were going to go there. I knew you were going to say, do not reproduce. I mean, I'm, I'm well, being serious. That's why Gates is giving vaccines to everybody in the world. I don't believe in doing it that fucking way. Jesus Christ. I know the fucking crazy, uh, crazy side effects of vaccines. Fun times. Let's not go there. Yeah. Maybe why don't we just give people money? Give me money. Come on. I pretty much decided I'm, I'm like. Universal basic don't income. Don't kids. Mean? Yeah, like, say if you, you don't want kids. people to not have kids. Yeah, give me, oh, give me 20 grand to, well, like, that start a business. It, see, but the problem with that is it makes it harder on people that do wind up having kids. And the last thing you want is to make it harder on parents to raise their kids in a conscious no, way. No, don't make it harder on them, but don't make it hard or make it, I don't know, give people incentive. If everyone just had the universal basic income, uh, maybe they would. There's nothing to do. Well, maybe they wouldn't have as many kids because they would be more interested in pursuing personal interests because yeah. they weren't scrambling for survival. Travel the world. Yeah. Like, go see something. You know, the population issue, from what I understand, my bro science on that is that we're actually going to see a real big slowdown on the, if we can, if we actually continue to improve conditions for people around the world and mm-hmm. living conditions, we'll see a slowdown on population growth because as pop, as civilizations and cultures get into a place where they have more uh, equality of access to resources and education, then people get more interested in their own careers and self-development rather yeah. than having children. So that's why in like Germany, for example, there's like way more old people than there are young people because a lot of people just never had kids because they were focused on other pursuits. Yeah, And so you will see like a kind of, sine wave and the whole population up and down thing yeah. and it should stabilize at around 10 billion from what i've heard smart people say on podcast that shows. would be so nice because uh, the earth can support that there's a lot of empty space we just got to change the whole factory farming of livestock thing yeah how are you supposed to keep it make i don't know making more people and not do that is the question and that's not my profession to figure out that's for someone else I'm a blind optimist. I think that there is sort of a higher intelligence that we all collectively tap into and that there is almost an orchestration that we are doing together behind the scenes on the soul level to help ensure that things go in a way that is okay. Like the planet and culture and civilization and life on earth in general is always going to be like a thing that's in a state of decay and falling apart because that's like what time is and we're biased. We're near seven. There's a lot of radiation. I think, well, that's what like, that's what life in this dimension is because we're so close to such a big energy source like the sun that it accelerates changes to the point where we, um, kind of get swept up in time and in consequences and things faster than we can, um, connect our own beliefs and intentions to the damage we're taking in a weird way. Like, I think we could possibly transcend that. We get to a point where we're really 
so conscious of everything we're doing. That what we are we serve. talking about? What are we talking about? <laughs> talking about like decay being a natural part of life on earth. And how oh, like yeah. we could make, we could really improve our culture and civilization and spiritually be in tune to prevent ourselves from like with the one another behind the scenes, which will prevent us from like catastrophically killing the planet. And we'll change at the last minute if we have to, to make things right. But, um, there will always be like decay and death and, and uh, sort of a falling apart aspect to life on Earth, no matter how, right. how balanced of a situation we create. Right. That's a long-winded thing I was trying to get out, but does, that makes sense, right? Yeah, for sure. I think, I think it's okay right now. Like it's always okay. I think it's always fine. Like it's all just a big head trip all of life. Yeah, so, and it's like a. Yeah. It's a thought form. You're wearing an Oculus Rip headset in a different dimension. Uh, metaphorically, sort of. I mean, just the fact that you can close your eyes and go somewhere else and be there is evidence enough that you are no more here than you are any of those other places. Yeah. And like, how, there's nothing to reality but experiences. How real dreams are. Exactly. Yeah. T- talk about some of can you tell some recent dream stories? Because you've told them to me oh, outside God. of here. They've been so good. Oh, geez. Okay. So the airport one's my favorite one. Okay. And so what happened was I was in an airport and I was on my way somewhere with some friends and uh, and I got separated from them. So I was trying to find the terminal um, and the, the correct terminal. And then, um, and then I lost my wallet. And then I lost my phone and then I got completely lost in the airport. And, um, I like saw some young, like stewardess chick. And I was like, Hey, like, where am I? And she's like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. You're on a whole different level on the, of this thing. Like, I don't have answers for you. And just walked off. And I was like, what the fuck? And so I went to some weird bar and, um, where all the seats were like car seats and I was trying to figure out where to go. And That's Disney world, by the way, they have a place like that at Disney world. It was very strange. And I ended up going to up to one of the terminals and I was looking out at the tarmac and I'm like, this shit's, this shit can't be real. And one of the dream characters told me, well, why don't you just try to flick on a light or turn a light off or, reads fine print you know like they say like to do that like to find out whether you're dreaming or not and i was like yeah i'm just gonna keep looking out this window because something weird's probably gonna happen and right after i said that some people were like pushing an airplane hanger across the the uh the runway they were like sliding it across and I was like, right there. I was like, that's bullshit. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, like people that were carrying a two-dimensional like stage background prop or something? No, it was like, like a it. real-ass looking cinder block airplane hanger. They're pushing huge. It and just by like the power yeah, of... Yeah, and it was sliding like it was in a video game, just sliding across. Okay. Like, you know... Like it was a digital edit? Yeah. Like it wasn't even real? Yeah, like... Well, I mean, it looked real in the but dream, the way it was but the way was it was like smooth sliding, sliding, yeah, I was just smoothly sliding, no rocks kicking up or dust. So what does this dream mean? Uh, <laughs> I felt weird at the time because I quit all these things all at the same time, and 
my dreams were getting super vivid and um i don't know like it uh it um it let me think like the stewardess one was interesting because it made me realize that sometimes i think in life you might be needing certain answers to get to the next level of wherever you're trying to get and as much as you like certain people that they might not be on the level you're at not that not to say that your level is better than theirs but it's just a different chapter of whatever you know or maybe it's a different completely different like subject or something like they don't know the answer so you sometimes you got to find your way through the airport and like at the end of that dream i was looking around it and i was like whoa this is crazy like because i was like really tripped out because i was super lucid in the dream and everything looked super real like really really real like just looking at everything i was like whoa like the sky and the building the airport like it was just there and it wasn't morphing or acting weird it was just like it was solid, very solid, and I was like, uh, even the bar that had car seats for yeah, all all that was really solid. Like everything was super, uh, didn't really give itself away very well. Like the thing, them pushing the hanger across the tarmac gave it away. It was weird that the person in the dream was telling me, like, why don't you try these tricks to see if it's dream or not? You know, and. uh, You think it's possible that some dreams are. Like a fabrication of your mind and imagination, while others could actually be you're transported somewhere else that other people are also sharing space in that there's like real other consciousness there. It's not all you. Maybe people think there's some people that think you astral project when you sleep. I personally think that because I've astrally come out of my body before, honestly, before I've been consciously aware of it when it happened. Yeah, it's definitely weird. Um, (laughs) Yeah, like what if what if uh, it's silly to assume that dreams are actually experiences that are unique to just the dreamer and that the, the rest of what's going on isn't real? Well, what yeah, because I, I you have no evidence of that. Just like you have no evidence that the other people in the waking reality aren't real. They're yeah, all real. There was a, you know, when, <laughs> when around the exact same time that I decided to quit doing these things, it's kind of funny. I'm kind of piecing this together now. Like I realized that, like everything, uh, like of who you are, you can change by changing the mind frame around it. Yeah, and like changing the like selectively changing the words that go through your head when a certain feeling comes up and, um, paying attention wherever the one, the the negative association or the old mind frame pops up and consciously saying, no, this, not that. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, um, imagining yourself just being that person makes it more likely to, but act like fake it till you make it. Yeah. Act like you're already that. Um, but like, so I was having, this, these dreams, uh, these three days in a row, um, where I was getting my van stolen in all these different weird ways. And I would like leave, I would leave my van for a second to go get something. And then my van would get stolen. 
and I was freaking me out. And um, the third time it happened, I immediately grabbed my phone and like typed in van and then like ST and it said like second thing was like van stolen dream interpretation. That's weird. And it might've been because I'd been talking about the last two days and like Google was like, you know, spying on me or whatever. I don't know. As as Google does. I don't really care anymore. I don't have time. (sighs) It's not healthy to care sometimes. Uh, But like I look, it it came up that um, this dream uh, could be like a sign that you're going through a personality shift. And I was like, holy shit, that's fucking weird. So I guess a lot of other people have had dreams about having their car stolen while they're um, going through a personality shift. And and it's kind of interesting because um, it's like you, you're losing your... And, oh, yeah, the last one I had... The metaphor makes sense. The last one I had, I, when I found my van... I was, I was on the phone with a friend and I was like, Oh, I found, I found it. My, my van is in my van. And I, there was like all weird in the dream, like a van inside of a van. And I was like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. Like, like, like the back opened up and the minivan like shoved inside of a minivan. It's <laughs> a weird uh, metaphor for consciousness. And- yeah. Because, and I was like, that actually kind of makes sense with reading the thing. Cause I was like, Oh, cause I'm developing this, new version of my personality but that's inside my my current personality and this new personality is kind of blooming out of it it's kind of growing from inside of it and out of into it and like that you know uh i I just think it's so trippy because like i was just deciding this is just what i'm doing in life but then they have these weird visions at night where you go to sleep and we don't even think about this. You just like lay down and you just pass out and you just don't even know what's going on. You're just unconscious, like to the world, like somebody could be in the room, like dancing like a monkey and you would have no idea. Like, you know, cause you're in Venus, like flying on a magic carpet or whatever you're doing in your dream. And you're just having this outer body or, a, or whatever, or inner body experience, whatever the hell it is. It's crazy. I think it's, it's insane. Because I've actually literally experienced the leaving my body part when falling asleep a few uh, times. How are those, are those not graphics? You know, the way that like, how is a screen not a vision when you're looking at your screen on your phone? You know, so like, that makes me wonder. How I mean, like in the dream? Both. Both. Like when you're like having a dream it just seems like it's that's kind of similar to like playing a crazy video game for sure. like and you're doing it inside of your head your head is like that means your brain is like in some way similar to a, a fucking super x some kind of super xbox powered by all the xboxes it makes sense too because like if you're reading an epic story or watching a really long movie you'll take breaks and do something else for a while and then come back to it so, like, if your consciousness is experiencing an extended journey as life as jazz, yeah. then it makes sense that you would, like, read a short story about being in this airport. Right? Because, like, and a lot of times those experiences and dreams will, like, correlate with stuff you're trying to figure out in the main story. Right. So, it's, like, it's synergistic. It helps you exactly. to advance. If you're not advancing in one area, you can advance in the other. Right. If exactly. you're not communicating well with somebody in your family, for example, 
you can start reaching them in your dreams if you consciously yeah. start choosing to do stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And you'll actually talk, like, I think you can actually talk to something that does connect back to them and represent them. And you can sort of help people, um, help clear problems with people that you've had in the past in that way. If you don't have a direct access to their dreaming. Community. Yeah. Through, through dreaming. Oh yeah. Just through like, just paying attention. Like, uh, they'll come to it's just dreams. super weird. It's like, it's like dreams. Like it's like your brain doesn't know how to communicate to you in language. And so it does it through these crazy visions, mm-hmm. you know? And so sometimes, well, there's a lot more information to be conveyed than just what, uh, uh, audio, audio language would be able to do. Yeah. Maybe it's beyond your ability to even comprehend language. So it has to do it through these crazy metaphorical stories. Back to the Tulpa things. Um, uh, you know, that, that, that can be, uh, powerful and, uh, um, you know, it depends how you use it though. Well, I don't know. I would just generally advise against trying to create that kind of thing. If you are interested, I just brought it up because it's interesting. It's, but, uh, it's fun. Here's, here's the thing. If you do it, do it for fun. I think no matter what you're doing, once you get too serious about it, mm-hmm. then it's not fun anymore. Now, if you don't do it to gain that, like power for yourself or over other people, do it just that, for the hell of it. That, you're saying, ah, kind of like, uh, like what's the point? Like, I'm not saying don't go try to win a golden medal, like, but like in the Olympics or whatever the hell you're gonna do. But remember that you're doing it for fun. So like, it's like that episode of Rick and Morty. Don't ask Mr. Meeseeks to bring four strokes off your golf game <laughs> because it's not going to work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's going to have to spawn another one. Was it a tulpa? Yeah. But, well, he fulfills the concept of a tulpa. Yeah. It's like a thought. It's like a, like a entity formed just for the purpose of serving a task, essentially. Yeah. That's sort of what a tulpa just do it is. it yourself. Yeah. There probably are other. You recognize that if you're creating tulpas, you're just fragmenting your own energy out of yourself. So you're more powerful if you just keep it self. It's like having an assistant to wipe your ass. Just you're a big boy. You can do it. Yeah. But yeah. as an idea, it's interesting that they exist. People should know that. that yeah. That the thought energy does create because things, physical manifesting things. Because that could cause people to do things. You know, if you like, if you believe this thing wants you to do bad shit then you're probably going to start manifesting bad shit in your head. Just like people that start having certain types of thoughts and then start to think, oh, no, there's something really making me think evil thoughts. There's a demon. And they start putting energy towards that. They can create yeah. a demonic, demonic tulpa. Ooh, yeah. So, like, definitely. See, because that's now, why it's important for people to know that this is possible so that they don't actually, like, trick themselves and create a fragmented form of their own energy yeah, that, see, that takes control over them. Because that's, like, that's what... That's what causes people. That's what demons are in the first place are fragmented thought forms that become, uh, self identified and so, like almost aware yeah, see the, take, try to take charge of the, the vehicle that they're within, which is the you. Well, it's like, it's kind of, you, you trip yourself out basically. Cause you think there's this thing separate from you making these certain decisions. And the first one of the, the big problem with that is if you think that you're not making the decision and something else is, then how are you ever supposed to be able to change that? 
Um, second thing is the thing is invisible. So you can't just go, you can't stab it. You can't kick its head off. You can't throw it down a well. It's coming at you through your thoughts. Yeah, it's invisible. <laughs> it's inside your head. So, I think people can create tulpas that actually have a physical form, though. Like, and you think it, you think this thing is a certain way, and so this thing is gonna. Oh, that could be why people have abduction experiences over and over again. They start believing that they are prone mm-hmm. to them. That it's a thing that happens to them, and they're like creating this thought form that's taking control of them. Right. I, I do think that... Or they could just really be getting abducted. You know, I also do like <laughs> to connect a lot of these things to... Uh, honestly, this has actually helped me, like, beyond just being fascinating philosophy, but perceiving my brain as this primit- primitive space computer tool. Meat computer. Yeah, the meat computer. Me, 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 me. me no, me, I me, said meat, but me is also... <laughs> the meat computer. The yeah, meat me, computer me, me, also... Have you heard my me song recently? Me, 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 and that just goes on for a couple days. But um, yeah, the me computer. It's like it's interesting because you get more context to the me song. Um, yeah, it was a kind of interesting trip that I had. It was a GMT trip, and they like showed me allegedly, allegedly, and then um. They had a, it was this, like they the, out, being the, the, aliens. the outline of a kid. They being the aliens. Right? Yeah, I guess. And <laughs> they're, they're totally alien. And this, so this is like the outline of a kid, uh, really cool, trippy drawing, moving drawing. And, uh, and, uh, um, it was singing me. It was singing the me song and it was showing this kid with a big head, like the outline of him, just like pointing at himself with his thumbs, like me, 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 me. And it was teaching me about me, I guess. I don't know. Not, it wasn't even about like me necessarily. It was about all of us. We're all me's. You're a me too, man. Don't, don't, you know. So do you think that the whole <laughs> new age movement, kill your ego concept is really flawed? Because I think it's ridiculous. I do too. Because, <laughs> I think like, it's why insane. Would you, your ego <laughs> is also the same thing that makes you a differentiated, unique spirit and soul. Like yeah, you shouldn't kill it. But, you should find alignment with it. But, but you, you do you whatever you want. You know, if you want, like, that's things like if you, you, if, you, if, you, if you want to play the game of going and being a monk and you wear orange because that's the most neutral color that, you know, nobody cares about. Um, orange then, is my favorite color. It's not neutral. That's what I read in this book. Oh, I was on the mushroom orange room right now. I was in the mushroom. Isn't orange like the sacral, like sex chakra? It's pretty... I don't know. It's, it's supposed up. to be really neutral, though. A lot of a lot of cultures don't recognize it as a color. They just say that it's like a dark yellow or a light red. And interesting. Um, and then the Buddhists actually wear it because it's a neutral color because they don't want to identify and be neutral. And then that's also why prison uniforms are orange. Cause you know that some cultures don't even see the sky as blue. Like yeah. there's cultures that oh, don't yeah. have a blue concept, so it's just actually purple or green to them. Yeah. And they even see it that way. Yeah. And they and also these same cultures might have twelve different names for different shades of green mm-hmm. and be able to point them all out and be consistent with one another. That's what's that's why it's so interesting. Your head is a piece of technology. And that comes back to what it's I was It's a set of filters. Yeah, and that's what I was coming back to talking about how like remembering that uh, a most of 
you know, when you think about how time goes, your, your brain is always behind in uh, as far as it is like technologically. So, uh, I, I've been think, trying to think of like, why do I do certain things? Um, you know, and I've been realizing a lot recently that it has a lot to do with past DNA. Like I found out recently that if you eat sugar, the reason why you want to eat more sugar, you get a craving for it is because, uh, like earlier, remember, like I haven't been eating sugar, but earlier I got that muffin. Like I was like, even thinking about it, uh, <laughs> it's my fault. I'm the instigator of a lot of sugar for that's people. fine. I like going, I like going off the rails. I'm always off the I'll rails. I gotta get it under control. Uh, <laughs> I just love stuff, but, uh, too much. but the reason why you get a craving is because back in the day, if you were to come across something that tasted sweet like that, like your brain was programmed to realize that it's like, Oh, well this, like, think about it. Like a fruit tasted sweet like that. It's not going to stay good. good It's not going to stay good for another. It's going to be gone and it it could be a day, you know, one day and it could be not good to eat. So your brain's telling you that it's like, Oh, you're eating something sweet. You got to eat it all. Eat it while it's fresh. Yeah. And you got to eat it all because you got, you want your people to live. You want to live. You don't want your other people to get it. And this is with all animals too. So they get this, when they eat some sweets, like, Oh, we got to eat all this because it's going to go bad, you know? And so we don't realize that we still have that mechanism in our head. So we'll have, we'll be, we'll buy a bag of chocolates and then it's like, well, I'm just going to have one and you have one, but then that, that primitive DNA goes off and it's basically, it doesn't have the language isn't matched up. And that's why you don't realize that's what's happening. But your DNA is basically signaling to your body. Like, dude, we got to eat all that because right. it's not going to be around. And so that's been a huge plus for me recently because I've been realizing like, like, oh, like, you can be like wh- shut up, body. I know different. Yeah. I've even like even weird shit. Like I would start getting mad about something and then I would think like, wait, okay, why would my, why would, because there's got to be a reason. So why in my DNA, DNA would I feel programmed to be mad at this person? And then I've come up with the, like, whether they're real or not, it's been very useful for me uh, to think like, okay, maybe I'm mad because back in the day, if, you know, you had this belief and this other person had this belief and you were a part of a similar tribe or you were in the same tribe and, uh, and then all of a sudden your beliefs changed and you thought different things. What if in the past, when that happened, in reality, shit always went south and eventually the tribe would split in half or you would get hit with a club or he would get hit with a club I think or something was, like that. I think because in, in tribal society, it wasn't like that because people were so. But that's what I've but that's what I've read a lot. It's like, really? the, yeah, because think about this. Mm-hmm. Um, tribes are not about the individual. And I'm not saying this in a, I'm not saying this to dog on tribes. The tribes about the tribe. Like you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you want to survive as a group of people and like, it's not about the individual's freedom to do whatever they want and express themselves. Like when you look at tribes, everyone follows very strict rules that you dress the same, you, you, they no make violates taboos. Yeah. Uh, they don't change their, uh, ceremonies very often, you know? Um, and so, um, 
I've never lived in a tribe, so I don't know if all that's true or not. Well, this this is I've I've watched a lot of stuff about. I'm missing that saying I'm an expert. I've watched a lot of stuff about it, and there's this book called Wizards of the Upper Amazon. Uh, bro, I read the book, bro. Dude, have you read that book? No, that book is a shit, dude. Uh, I've read some it's good incredible. books on Amazon tribes, though, for but, sure. Too. Um, but I mean, that's just I the mean, way it is when you think about it. I'm not, for 8, I, years. and I'm not trying to say like, oh, they're violent, blah blah blah. But I'm just saying that's just how, like, if you're a tribe and you want your tribe to survive, you can't be having, you know, you can't be having this dude running around, fucking around, you know, eating up everything, acting stupid. You know what I mean? I don't know. I like, think that there's more. It doesn't. Like in certain times in the history, there was more abundance in, in general. And but that's but it's still that doesn't not really like when you're in nature, like everything else in nature is eating what you're eating. There's we have, we we're way overabundant right now compared to what we've ever been. That's true. We, we throw have away so half, much stuff. We throw away half our food. Yeah, we throw away half our food, but we can also have abilities like we can vacuum seal stuff and make stuff last for a really long time. Refrigeration. And, you know, refrigeration is a huge thing. Freezing things is a huge thing. Yeah. Like whether it's good or for you or not, canning food, all this stuff is unbelievable. It's it's a what what it's done for us. But when you're in a tribe, like um, a lot of them have to move every once in a while because they run out of resources. Like, cause they're just eating what grows here and, and, and what animals are in what yeah, area. They're nomadic. They will uh, migrate um, around. So like you can't, you don't have, um, you're not going to It's literally, it, yeah. And it's literally threatening your life when certain people in the tribe start getting squirrely. You know what I mean? Making weird changes. So that's why people don't like deviant or aberrant behavior just sort of instinctually. Yeah, it totally. Absolutely. Yeah, that, it, that's why. That's why people get mad about homosexuals. Oh, absolutely. And that, I mean, or like, um, you know, we've uh, kind of, we've talked a little bit about Trump. I don't really, and uh, it's like, if you say that he did something good, like people will get mad and, and, and that's not even saying like, no, 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 I'm saying like, okay, maybe he screwed up 80% of the time, but here's a good thing that he did. People would still get mad at no, that. They want it to be all or nothing. Yeah. And, and, and I think it's that, um, and, and what I'm getting at is I think that is that primitive thing where it's like, oh shit. Like, you know, like why do siblings uh, these days, even though we live in so much abundance and we have all these things, why do they get into the fights they do? Well, what if it's because back in the day, if like you and siblings were getting into a fight, like this was a huge fucking deal. Like there was about to be sibling rivalry, you know, and now the family's going to get split in half or, you know what I mean? Like the family business could go under or you might not be able to survive as well. You know, they really work together. It could turn into a big deal. These days, it's different. You could be like, fuck my family, and you can move to a whole new city and you can get online and meet people. It's just different. But we have this old DNA that tells us that, hey, if like there's something going on, then like, you know, this could destroy your community or your ability to survive. If, like, if your way of life is working right now, then this person that's acting in a weird way could be possibly just. A, a threat, yeah, yeah, to your existence. And then that's 
But maybe I don't. Threats are such a big deal to human beings. It's like a huge we have such, deal. We have that frontal cortex or whatever that makes us able to spot and perceive threats and keep them in our awareness. Yeah, it, it, it like literally, it's the craziest calculator you can imagine. Where it literally takes scenarios that haven't happened and it adds them up, and based on things that have already happened to you or your ancestors, it 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 guesstimates. It says like. It'll be like, oh, well, like all these scenarios and then, okay, well, guess if this and this happened, then this might happen. Is that why sometimes when I'm getting into my car, if I'm like a little too super high, I'll suddenly see like a vision, a vivid mental vision of me getting a car wreck? Yeah, dude, I, that's no joke. It's, exactly. your, brain, it's your brain being like, hey, this could happen. Watch yeah, that. exactly. Look, it, you're really high right now. That could be why. Sure that that could be why. Danger. Yeah, that could be why not a lot of smokers get in car wrecks because they're they they're, you know, they're that paranoia makes them. Yeah, uh, never get in car wrecks. You know, think high. you know, think more, be more alert about what's going on. Uh, but at the same time, that could cause that could cause people paranoia in ways where, you know, you got to remember that that it's a calculator. So if your brain doesn't have sufficient sufficient information, then you can come up with all kinds of crazy shit in your head and get real and freak freak yourself out really good easily without having the right information. You're like, oh, all these bad things are gonna happen, but. You don't have all the info. How do you know? Well, and people you know also get I mean? stuck into identifying their thoughts as themselves. They think that the stream of thoughts that they're having is what constitutes their identity in the first place. When in reality, those thoughts and your brain itself is basically like a scanning device for interfacing reality and filtering things in the way that you have that is kind of funny set up your filters and it's kind of funny because you, you like you like it to the just in, in the, the language reveals it in its own it's not even like the craziest thing when you really realize it where it's like you have your thoughts you don't say like oh uh, um my thoughts i am right are making me but like, people act, get stressed enough about those kind of thoughts as if they are themselves and they don't have a good way of uh separating it makes a, it they definitely objective. those thoughts definitely make up your experience but it doesn't have to and um back to what uh, what i was saying about the mind frames like once you realize that you're like oh shit i can change this i can decide that you can always decide i can decide that when i get this feeling and my brain tells me to like smoke or something like that when I'm not wanting to smoke and I'm that's not what I want to do anymore. Like reinforce it with the knowledge just, of why you don't want to do it instead of saying it's something you want that you don't let yourself yeah, do. Yeah, it also say, like it's okay to change your mind. People get so freaked out when it's like, well, you used to think this, now you think this. It's like, yeah, isn't that called evolving? Like, shouldn't you be able to do that every week? Shouldn't you be able to be like, like, yeah, last year I used to think this way and now I don't anymore because now I understand why I don't need to think that way. I, I, now I now I see why thinking this way is more efficient. It makes me happier. And it, it, it lies so much better when you could just kind of like forgive yourself and just not give a shit that much. It's like, you know how many things that I didn't quit because I had been doing them for so long, you know? It's like, well, I can't quit now. I've been doing it forever. It's like, yeah, yeah I played MMOs for that reason. Like, I'll have been in it for a super long time, and then I'm like, I'm not even having that much fun, but I've been playing it so Dog long. I can't quit now. Exactly. That's a it's a crazy trap. Um, but that's that's because I think a lot of that comes down to it's like, just have the ability to be like, 
Oh, I changed my mind. Like I've brought this up before on the show that you have to be able to like basically dump, delete your epiphanies out of your brain. Like when you have an epiphanous moment, when you have this big outstanding realization moment that really blows your mind and like helps you see things in a new way, you have to be ready to completely let go of that and realize that if you are holding on to that dogmatically in your mind, like this is the way things are, then when other more stranger phenomenon occur mm-hmm. and you're trying to fit them into the frame of understanding of that previous epiphany, you will start creating patterns and references that aren't real and that aren't there. And what is actually meant to be happening is you're supposed to be completely in that moment, realizing an entirely new set of data epiphany that might even contradict the previous one, but it might not, it might build on it, but you have to be totally open. And we also got to hold on to the old idea. We also got to remember contradictions are okay. That's what all of reality is, is one massive contradiction. Fair enough. Up and down and black and white. They're all super contradictory. And it also creates the image of, you know, uh, it, it creates the division and the illusion of like, this is what's in front of me. Like you couldn't have it without this. And, uh, and so it's okay. Like it's like, I think there's like, we get super attached to like, you know, if we've been right, good or wrong or bad. And remember when I was talking about the other night, I was like, there's no such thing as being right. Like think about it, like, like being right is like saying you're going to be Superman. Like that's not a real thing. And like, it's okay to like feel that and like experience that, but realize you're, you can't be a right you can't be a Superman. Like you, there's no like, real right or wrong. It's all relatives. And so like you, uh, like it, it helps you in that sense, move on from things and keep, keep things that you dig and move on from things that you're not digging anymore. Right on, man. That feels good. <laughs> <laughs> www.jazzraps.com. <laughs> So we didn't even really bring up what you do. Can we touch on that? Uh, I, I keep seeing a phrase, touch on that. Let's not touch on it. Let's talk about it. What but do I do? Yeah, what, do you, what do you actually like do? Like, well, who are you? Jazz? We've been going so deep into this crazy stimulated conversation because we, oh, we drank so much coffee. I'm a guy we that... Took coffee. I'm a guy I was doing that, so much coffee that it was like I was taking coffee, not doing coffee. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, you're doing coffee. Doing rails of fucking coffee. You're doing it. <laughs> it makes it sound bad. But uh, yeah, you know that. You're doing rails of coffee. Yeah, um, I am. the coffee shop and drink so much coffee. I am coffee. an artist that um, really enjoys what he does and doesn't make a lot of money yet, but I'd make enough to make it keep happening. And I really, really appreciate my supporters and uh, everyone who. When I just when I get on my um, little uh, app from my site and I see that even if I didn't sell anything, if I see that, you know, 30 people have gone to my site, that makes me happy. I appreciate people checking out my stuff and uh, I make wire wraps and I balance rocks and I act a fool. So I'm trying to figure out how to mesh all that into one funky career. Can you provide me some photographs of said stacking rocks and acting the fool? Yeah, because I, I want to put that on like a big blog Steemit post. I've been really enjoying using Steemit for my episode posts now because you can do like multiple pictures embedded with yeah you know, words in between and all it's kinds pretty, of fun stuff. It's pretty interesting. 
I'm going to list some of your wraps up there in there and be like, you can buy this and maybe someone will buy a wrap. If you're listening right now, is there any, is there any way that you can like, is there, are there any like, do you ever do like coupon codes or deals like um, jammies? Well, um, I'm not saying do one now, but like, you don't, you don't need money. Money's really bad. So what you should do is give it all to me <laughs> and I'll give you pretty things that will be good. And, um, and I just I'll, got a new ring from Jazz. It's really, really nice, <laughs> I wear a wrap that Jazz made literally every day for the last two years. Not well, every day, but I love days. seeing you wear it, man. I I love seeing people wear my stuff. It makes me very happy. So uh, yeah, the art that you do primarily is wire wrap jewelry. It's not all you do, but I've seen you do some right. sick paintings too. Yeah, I like. I've been good at riding a bike. Yeah, I, I like riding a bike. I don't. I used to ride BMX a lot. That was my first blow art, uh, and. Uh, and I kind of like, honestly, I start, stopped riding BMX as much because I would get in these wrecks that would hurt my hands in ways that would make it uncomfortable to wire wrap. And I realized like, man, I just don't want to like, it's not, it was like one or the other. And I still ride BMX. I still do stuff and hurt myself every once in a while, but mm. I've been taking it easy because I don't, I don't want to break a thumb and not be able to do my thing for months that would be irritating yeah it's like yeah calculate the risks that you take in life you can't take no risks but you don't want to take foolish risks either yeah you you definitely you want to take risks are good though they get you in a flow state they do but it's only like yeah your intuition will always tell you what the acceptable risk is as a and whenever you start having this feeling like this is really dangerous i'm gonna get hurt that's usually when you get hurt yeah. Whatever you're just like, oh, this is crazy. I can't believe I'm doing this. That's that. That's when it's cool. That's that. That. I've been doing some. Uh, is that frontal cortex thing? Yeah. Then that's all. When you go in the flow state, your prefrontal cortex shuts off. So your brain's basically like, I know how to do this. And oh, like I know. Like your brain's like a calculator, like I was saying. So if you're on a snowboard, you're going down a hill and you're about to do something you haven't done before, but you've done something similar. Like if you just turn your prefrontal cortex off and let just your switch it off there, let your body do it. Your your body knows the next answer. It's very good at uh, putting things together, um, but you can't give yourself a problem that's too big, or else your brain's not going to be able to come up with the answer, and you're going to end up the hurting. Experience to build off of. You're going to hurt, yeah, because you're going to hurt your head. You're basically you're going to be like, oh fuck. I learned that from longboarding down steep hills. You have to just like go with it and just shut off your brain for a little bit. Yeah. That's why it's good to start small with anything Yeah, because, and build on that and just go, gradual change, go a little bit farther next time. And you'll go into that flow state, but don't be worried. Don't, you know, when you start worrying and you start thinking about how it's going to end up coming, that's when, uh, you're thinking to, you're not in the present moment. You're thinking of how it's going to turn out later. You're thinking about later. You're not right here right now. So your brain can't even use, you know, the power that it has to be where you're, you know, it's kind of ironic, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like, and like the, just worrying about how something's going to turn out ends up destroying what it actually is in the moment. Fear is the mind killer. <laughs> it's interesting because you're projecting what's this going to turn out to be later on. And it's like, it's going to turn out better if you're just here right now do, making it right now you know yeah i mean if you're thinking about what it's going to be later while you're making it then it's probably going to turn out like shit right so like, that's just you can't think how 
like with art, you can't worry about what other people are going to receive it as because that's going to make it look like shit. You're going to have to just make what you can make right then in the moment. Yeah. Cool, man. Dude, I appreciate you. Yeah, I feel I feel like we're ready to wrap this combo up. Hell yeah. It's been a really good episode. And also, there will be a bonus other part of our conversation for patrons only. It's terrible. You'll love it. <laughs> no, we're just... There's like, it's like yin and yang. This conversation, we started off super stimulated from all the coffee, but the episode, the first recording we made last night, which was we decided exhausted. To, to sort of scrap and just release the patrons. Not that it's bad, but it was like late at night. We were way more chilled out, but uh, it'd be an interesting combo, I think, as well. If you want a part two, you just got to hop on Patreon and that's going to just be accessible to anybody. Enjoy for $1. your life. $1 and up. That's all you need to do. Anyway. Give me money, give jazz money. <laughs> give me money. <laughs> Not really. Um, really do money. check out Jazz's page though, because you might like if you've ever been interested in getting wire wrapped jewelry and you want something that's really unique and it's got a lot of like intentional energy spun into it, Jazz's work is highly recommended by all who've come in contact with if it. If you get something and hate it, I will give your money back. Does that ever even happen? No. <laughs> I, I think I have, about the value of something like a high vibrational piece of um, jewelry art. Like yeah. it costs you what forty dollars for a ring, or eighty dollars for a pendant, or two hundred dollars for the pendant I wear. Actually, yeah. But like that was two hundred dollars over the course of the fact that I've been wearing it for two over two years, not over two years, a year and a half. Um, that's a pretty low cost per day for wearing something. That, Do you think like, about the amount of dopamine? You release every time you see it, and then you add that up over time. It's probably a pretty decent investment. Not to mention it's a Moldavite, so it's got, like, super power in it. So <laughs> the Moldavite aspect, I guess, didn't come from you. You just wrapped it. But you did such a no, fantastic No, no, man. Job. I, I made Moldavite, too. Yeah, you're the inventor of Moldavite? Yeah, I invented that and the internet and cars. Cool, man. But that's, well, pre that's pretty much it. We'll talk about that next time. Definitely. On the show. We'll talk about all my inventions that saved mankind. Well... Cool. Thanks for saving mankind. <laughs> Thanks for coming on the podcast again. Another thing, if you want to hear another conversation I had with Jazz, that's back in season one, episode five. And I just recently took season one off the internet for people that are not patrons. So if you are a patron, go check that out. You can listen to more of me and Jazz talking. I feel like I wasn't as good of a host back then. Not that I think I'm a great host now. But <laughs> you're stronger though. If you could see him right now, he looks like Hulk Hogan. <laughs> yeah, I've been doing more rock climbing, so I am literally stronger. Definitely. Okay, cool. Well, we'll wrap this up. Love you guys. Thank you. Love y'all. Thanks for listening. Jazz Raps. I can't believe you listened to me talk this long. Have a fantastic night, day, morning. Yep, you deserve it. Much love. Bye-bye. <laughs>
guys, just wanted to remind you, music in this episode was provided by Suhan. Find the links in the episode description there. Also, you can find links to Patreon where you can get double the content for this episode, as well as jazzraps.com will be linked right there in the description. And you can go buy some amazing high-tech alien jewelry from Jazz himself. All right, thanks for listening to the show. Thanks for being a part of the Interverse tribe. Much love, happy creating, and see you next week.